It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daily Premier League action and reaction. This is Football Social Daily. Hello, I'm Jim Salverson and welcome to Friday's Football Social Daily. The weekend preview show will be available in just a few hours' time, so come back then if you're looking for our look ahead to the Premier League's weekend. But as for today's show, well, it's frantic Friday in the transfer market as the window has just over a week to go before it shuts and business is done. We're going to be looking at some potential deals for Manchester United and a potential replacement for Jordan Pickford at Everton. Speaking of goalkeepers, it's fabulous Friday for Chelsea as they finally sign a replacement for calamitous Kepa that is Eduardo Mendy, the missing piece in Chelsea's puzzle. And it's funny Friday for Jose Mourinho who threw out some classic Jose moans after his team's Europa League win this week. We're going to be talking about that shortly as well. It's also a Foxes Friday because Leicester City are under the spotlight for our floodlight focus today. We're going to be speaking to TV journalist, reporter and Leicester City fan Andy May in a little bit. As we're doing F-words, I want to know what F-word my fellow football social dahlias would use to describe themselves today steve mcnaughton and niall mccorn what f <laughs> would you use it's like sesame street this <laughs> if you're going to describe yourself with an f what are you going for steve so <laughs> <laughs> someone had to didn't they someone had to yeah. if you're listening to the podcast you'll have no idea what he said but you can probably guess uh, what about yeah. you niall uh, i'm gonna go with frivolous actually but when you frivolous. said um that there was an F word speaking of F words I genuinely thought you were going to introduce Gordon Ramsay onto the podcast at which point I would have enjoyed today a lot more see I was going to go with fastidious and fair which is kind of the buzzword for Premier League Daily right that's not two words I would uh, associate with you Jim. <laughs> right let's start with <laughs> yes. frantic yeah. speaking of uh, fastidious fair and frantic let's start with Jose Mourinho because he was complaining <laughs> midweek after his team's Europa League win um, and it's not often we talk about the Europa League on Football Social Daily but it's worth mentioning this one because he was playing the opposition of get ready for this pronunciation Skendja oh, that's not bad I'm not sure how is that not mm. bad um, 
over in the Europa League and he asked for the goalposts to be replaced. Do we know why he asked for the goalposts to be replaced? Oh, I, I do know. Five centimetres too uh, short. Yeah, that's right. Short. Joe Hart was knocking around on the pitch before the game, noticed that the goalposts were a little bit short, went and told the gaffer and Jose Mourinho complained to UEFA and they had to replace the goalposts. I mean, personally, I would have thought Joe Hart would have been grateful for the goals being slightly smaller, (laughs) given how he's played recently. So I thought we'd start off with a little bit of fun. We're not going to talk about the game in any great depth because it's only the Europa League qualifiers Suffice to say, Spurs have got through, so they're now in the Europa League proper. But I was, it got me thinking, what was the best Jose Mourinho excuse of all time? Because he's had some belters down the years. So what was your favourite Jose Mourinho excuse, Niall? Um, do you know what? I was tempted to just pull out of doing the podcast today because any slight on Jose Mourinho, I'm not willing to take a part of. I absolutely love him. So I'm it's not, not a slight. It's just part of him. It's just part well, of who he I is. always remember when he first came to the Premier League about 15 years ago where he was never one to make excuses for his players. He would always stand up and take the brunt of the flack and he would always kind of twist things back onto the British press. I remember he had a bit of a vendetta against the UK press. Um, saying that he didn't have to prove anything and obviously that famous introduction where he says I am the special one and he kind of deflected all of the flack from his teams onto himself rather than the players Um, but in recent seasons he's certainly kind of turned that around a little bit and he has given players a bit of stick which we didn't see when he first came to the Premier League. One of my favourite excuses was when I can't remember where he was the manager or how recently this was but when um, the referee blew for the full-time whistle I think the game was 1-1 and the referee blew for the full-time whistle whilst a goal kick had been taken and the ball was in mid-air. And Jose said after the oh, game that the, refer- the, referee blew- <laughs> the referee blew the whistle whilst yeah. the ball was in mid-air. So therefore, it was an opportunity for Spurs or whoever it might have been he was managing at the time uh, to have another attack. And I thought that was quite funny. Um, but actually, my favourite Jose quote of recent times, which I totally forgot about, was when he was manager of... Manchester United and it's only come out again recently because Frank de Boer has become the new Netherlands national team manager and uh, Jose Mourinho yeah he has and Jose Mourinho basically tore Frank de Boer a new one by saying he's the worst manager in Premier League history seven games seven defeats zero goals Um, and I just loved loved his delivery of it so yeah I thought it was interesting uh, to see that Frank de Boer's the new Netherlands boss and it reminded me of that Jose quote but I quite like the excuse of um the referee blowing the whistle whilst the ball's in the air from a goal kick, yep. claiming as if it could have been an opportunity for his team. I like that. Burnley can probably claim that. That's Most of their attacks start with a goal kick going right up in the air. Steve, what's your favourite Jose Mourinho excuse? Oh, There's been so many, hasn't there, over the years? But I, I, I remember one in particular, and uh, I remember watching it on, on the TV at the time uh, because I think they, they played Tottenham Hotspur at... Uh, Old Trafford when he was United manager and uh, and and he got a spanking off Tottenham. Tottenham won three nil, but I couldn't remember the exact quote that he said. So I've had a look at it online uh, to remind myself, and I'm just going to read this to you, gents. Um, so so they've just been uh, absolutely mullered on three nil by Tottenham, and it was the 27th of August, uh, 2016. And uh, by the strategic and tactical point of view, we didn't lose. One thing is to lose at home and deservedly. Another thing is to lose undeservedly. Being the best team, having a fantastic attitude and being really, really unlucky. (laughs) (laughs) And that's after the 3-0 home defeat. I mean, we could go on forever. He's blamed Louis van Gaal before. He's blamed football geniuses. He's blamed... Um, 
pretty much pretty much everything you could, club doctor very famously blamed the club doctor and all the mess that that led to it led to his departure from Chelsea but my favorite was when he played blamed the ball boys uh, when he was Chelsea manager in 2015 and he was upset with how quickly the Leicester City ball boys got the ball back onto the pitch and he came out afterwards and he said in his press conference he went I'm going to do my best Jose Mourinho here he went uh, they f- oh, no I'm not <laughs> I just realised I can't do it Jose Mourinho I can't do any impression I don't know why I thought I could <laughs> for a fleeting moment <laughs> he just said they fought with everything and defended with everything and the ball boys were amazing too so Jose Never change. We absolutely love you. Uh, we're going to start talking properly about Jose Mourinho's former team, Chelsea, who seem to have solved a big problem at the club in recent weeks because there have been criticism, rightly so, probably, levelled at their goalkeeper Kepa over the last weeks and the last season, for that matter, for letting in a few uh, cock-ups, should we say. Um, they have now seem to have solved that problem. They've brought in Eduardo Mendy, from Rennes, I think it is, a 28-year-old keeper, £22 million, not a load of money, but a really important signing for Chelsea and their ambitions, Niall. Yeah, definitely. I think everyone was suggesting that if Chelsea really want to do be solid top four contenders, and I dare say, as some people are suggesting, even title contenders, then they need to solve the problem they've got between the sticks. And that problem is Kepa Arisa Balaga. Unfortunately for him, he's got this massive price tag. He's got this burden of being the most expensive goalkeeper of all time. Um, costing £72 million a couple of seasons ago. And I think the problem that Chelsea have had is the lack of competition in the goalkeeping department. I mean, I've spoken about this on the show before where, you know, you've got Willy Caballero replacing you and the guy's 38, 39 years old. And that's no slight on Caballero, but you can't expect a 38-year-old, 39-year-old to be offering stiff competition to the most expensive goalkeeper of all time. Um, you know, you've got to look in the goalkeeping department and have healthy competition there. I mean, I always use Burnley as an example because maybe over the last four or five years in the Premier League, they've had one of the strongest goalkeeping units. If you look at the, the, the players that they've had, Tom Heaton, Joe Hart, Nick Pope, um, they've had a really strong goalkeeping unit over the last few years. Obviously, two of those players have now moved on and Nick Pope's always in the frame for an England call-up. So certainly, I think having strength between the sticks is a real, real benefit and a real bonus. Um, Manchester mm. United now, De Gea, Dean Henderson and Sergio Romero. So they've got strong depth between the sticks as well. And I think that can be a help um, to your first team goalkeeper. Uh, but yeah, they definitely needed to solve that issue. I think that everyone was kind of thinking that until Chelsea get a new keeper, they're going to struggle to really be taken seriously as potential title contenders. I still think the title is a step too far for them personally, but this will certainly increase their chances of finishing in the top four more comfortably compared to how they did last season. One thing is worth mentioning about this new signing though, Edouard Mendy, is six years ago, When he was 22 years old, he was released by a club and he was told that he wasn't going to make it as a professional footballer. And he was in line at the job centre and basically waited to figure out what his next career step was as he went and saw a job advisor. Six years later, he's been signed by Chelsea. He's almost certainly going to displace Kepa. He's going to be playing in the Premier League. And it's just a really nice feel-good story that from the age of 22 to the age of 28, those six years, he's managed to get himself back into the professional game, earn himself a big move to Chelsea and an opportunity to play in one of the best leagues in the world. So fair play to Mendy. This deal has been actually sanctioned by Peter Cech, Mm. who, of course, is now working upstairs at Chelsea. Um, Club legend, one of the best goalkeepers of all time, arguably the best Premier League keeper of all time. He's got the record for the most clean sheets since the Premier League era began in 92. So, 
Petr Cech certainly has an eye for a good goalkeeper. And uh, let's not forget that the Cech actually came from Stade Rennes in France when he first joined Chelsea in 2004. So he would have had an eye on Rennes, I'm sure, at, at most of the time anyway, being one of his former clubs. So they've picked out Mendy on Cech's recommendation. And I'm really interested to see how he does because although I think Kepa has not been worth the price tag and people saying that he's been a disaster I think that is because of the price tag I don't think Kepa is in the top 10 of goalkeepers in the Premier League unfortunately for him um, and Edouard Mendy I think if he can just have a solid first few games and not make any mistakes he can even concede a few goals I think he'll be fine as long as he doesn't do anything stupid and doesn't make uh, any mistakes to kind of emphasise the issue again I think he'll be absolutely fine at Chelsea and it's a, a pleasant signing to see I like this lad he was linked with a move to West Ham actually a couple of seasons ago um, I think he was earmarked by Manuel Pellegrini as one of the players he wanted to bring in and I believe the club went for Roberto in the end <laughs> which, which is a story all in itself but I mean he's a massive bloke he's six foot six which puts him five inches taller than Kepper as well and he's one of those goalkeepers that he's a decent shot stopper but that's not the main part of his game he's a big physical presence he's a keeper that likes to control the box he comes out and claims stuff I think he could be kind of the missing piece I think his dominance in that box is going to help the Chelsea defence as well that look a little bit unsure at times just to give him that kind of anchor at the back and a bit of confidence behind him. I, I, what's interesting, Steve, is what happens to Kepa now because I don't think he's going to stay at Chelsea and be a number two, two goalkeeper. Chelsea are obviously going to want some return on this 72 million quid they spent on him. And we've seen similar situations with the likes of Carius at Liverpool who came in with high expectations and then after a few high-profile mistakes kind of faded away. Joe Hart to a certain extent as well. There's rumours about him going back on loan to La Liga and maybe find some form and potentially add some value back in. Is he going to be one of those players that we just see sink without trace? It's, it's a difficult question, that, Jim, in, in all honesty. I think it's... I mean, the, the fee is 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 the... the the anvil, isn't it? You know, um, it's so, so heavy, the fee. And... Chelsea have have been royally done there in terms of paying that level of cash for for that goalkeeper, and I think it is a it's a huge lesson for Chelsea who don't get done often in the transfer market. Yes, they've you know let some high profile uh, people go, the likes of you know Kevin De Bruyne and, and Mo Salah in the past, but generally in the transfer market they don't make a massive amount of mistakes. But but this has been a huge mistake, and I think were Kepa's concerned. It all started unravelling for me with Kepa in the Carabao Cup final at Wembley, when he had the the, the little set two with with um, what's the guy's name? I forgot what his name is. Maurizio Sarri, um, you know, were, and I don't think it was ever the same about that. I think the Chelsea hierarchy have probably thought we've we've got a problem here because this guy's got a bit of an attitude problem, um, and and he's not really a team player. He's all about himself, and I think that. That has there's probably been a little bit of resentment build in certain quarters of that Chelsea squad for for how he's behaved, and I think, you know, he's not backed up the talk. He's made some horrific errors. He's terrible at the ball with his at his feet. He is a really poor shot stopper. He is he's, he's beaten. <laughs> what do you like range. about him, Steve? He, I don't like anything about him. His he's haircut for, he's makes beaten, a mean tapper. Well, I like everyone's haircut, Nile. Let's face it, I like everyone's haircut. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, I think he's beaten from range too easy. And another shock is I can't believe he's six foot one. You know, when when I see 
Chelsea, I mean, I've never seen him play in the flesh. Um, but he looks tiny on the TV in comparison to other goalkeepers. And I think, you know, this young lad that's coming in from Wren, um, you know, great attitude on him, good good, good work ethic, you know, impressive stats. And I think he, he can come in and, and, and make a claim. But I think even with a goalkeeper, Chelsea won't be there yet. Uh, we thought that it was just, we thought it was centre-backs and goalkeepers that was going to turn them into contenders. But on, on the evidence of what we've seen last Sunday from Chelsea, you know, goalkeeping mm. aside, they were poor. You know, they, tactically they were set up really badly. They were too submissive, and they were too negative as well. And I think that uh, this goalkeeper will will make them a bit more solid, which, which is obviously music to the Chelsea fans' ears. But still, a long way for Chelsea to go. I feel, and I think that the, the cash that's being spent at Chelsea is like a noose round Frank Lampard's neck. I know what's next for Chelsea, Jim. He should go to KF Schendier and play in those five centimetre smaller goals. You might have a better chance there. <laughs> the advantage he's been looking for. Um, there is a little bit more movement in and out of Chelsea. And we're going to talk about that next. We're going to look at some of the transfers and rumours doing the back pages on the papers at the moment. We'll cover that off next. And there's some good ones on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Twitter at the Sports Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. There are about 10 days left of the transfer window and it feels like it's hotting up at the moment. We've talked a lot about players coming into Chelsea over the last few weeks, but they've obviously got a bloated squad now. There's going to have to be some departures at some point. And Sky Sports are reporting one of the first departures could be Jorginho, who Arsenal are potentially interested in. I was surprised that Chelsea and Lampard would be willing to let Jorginho go, Niall, because he's been decent for Chelsea the last 12 months. I've got in trouble for saying this before on media outlets, but this is just absolute It's Sky Sports (laughs) churning the mill to try and get some last juice out of the transfer wagon, which ends on the 5th of October, which I can't believe is just a week away now, unbelievably. Um, It's come around so quickly. Saying that Arsenal are potentially interested in Jorginho is like me saying I'm potentially interested in Maya Jama, but it's just not going to happen, is it? Let's be perfectly honest. You never know now. Um, Let's get it in the same space and see what happens. (laughs) But do you see what I mean? It's one of those where... Clubs are potentially interested in signing lots of players. I'm sure West Ham are potentially interested in signing Ronaldo or Messi if the opportunity presented itself. But the likelihood of it happening, <laughs> exactly, the likelihood of it happening is very slim. So, the fact that it is just potentially interested in inverted commas says a lot for me. Doesn't There's it make sense no- this one though? Because like Chelsea are interested in Declan Rice, who could potentially who could potentially play that role that Jorginho plays. Arteta, I mean, we know he's... Is he better than Jorginho? There's so much hot air, though, isn't there, with transfers at the moment. Now, it's easy to get so carried away because a lot of people will take this potentially interested in as (laughs) Arsenal are signing Jorginho. Well, Arsenal Mm. aren't signing Jorginho right now because there's not been a bid. There's not been an offer. There's interest possibly registered. It might even be chatting to agents to figure out how much he's on a month or a week and it's just one of those things where you kind of have to take it with a pinch of salt and this is one of those where I really am taken with a pinch of salt I mean Jorginho starts for Chelsea every week why are why are Chelsea going to sign him to sell him to Arsenal mm. a rival I, I find that I find that absolutely staggering now David Luiz 
was sold to Arsenal and there was reason behind that because it would have cost Chelsea more to keep him on for the final year of his contract in wages than selling him on. He gets a bigger wage at Arsenal and Chelsea got a fee for him. That makes sense. Willian was out of contract. So he left on a free transfer. Frank Lampard wasn't keen to renew Willian's contract because he's got Havertz, Werner and Ziyech coming into the club. Totally understand that decision. So Willian and David Luiz are both gone. Petr Cech was past it or arguably past it or maybe getting to the back end of his career at Chelsea when Thibaut Courtois was threatening to leave the club unless he was made number one. So Jose Mourinho said, on your way, Petr. And he went to Arsenal then. So the only time that Chelsea have really sold players to Arsenal is been when their shelf life has come to an end or it's made logical sense to do so. Now, Jorginho to Arsenal, I think you're right, Jim, it probably would fit and it would be a nice fit for Arsenal and I think it would be an excellent signing if they actually managed to get him. But whether they will get him is another story. I just cannot see why Chelsea or why Frank Lampard would decide to sell a player who starts more often than not when he's fit for Chelsea. He's their penalty taker. He's, you know, a player who actually was brought to the club to play under Maurizio Sarri and his style of football and has actually ended up enjoying his time at Stamford Bridge and stayed. I just can't see it happening. I just I don't think it makes any sense whatsoever from a Chelsea perspective. Of course, from an Arsenal perspective, it would do because he's a top player. All right, well, Niall's blown that one out of the water, Steve. But you've got to do say that they do have a bloated squad at the moment. There are going to be players looking to move elsewhere and there are a few rumours linking players with exits from Stamford Bridge. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, reportedly available on loan. He's of interest to Villa and West Ham. And The Sun are currently saying, and we know what to, with what truth to regard anything The Sun says, but they're reporting that Callum Hudson-Odoi wants to leave the club. He thinks his chances in the first team are going to be limited by the signings they've made in the summer. I guess this is kind of the price... Whether those particular stories are true or not, it is the price that, as a Chelsea fan, you're going to play, pay, pay for the investment that there has been in the playing squad. Your young talent isn't going to get the chance, and there is potential that the likes of Hudson Odoi and the likes of Ruben Loftus Cheek are going to want to leave to get first team football. Yeah, I think I think they will do, and I think there'll be there'll be misses for Chelsea as well. I think the two, you know, good young players, and um, they're not going to get much of a chance, uh, like you say, and I think. I mean, it happens at all big clubs, unfortunately, where, you know, they get a sniff of, of uh, you know, higher positions in the league, you know, better cut runs, more European football, etc. And they want to bring that proven quality. There's not a lot of patience in the game now. And I think that it would be a shame to, to, to lose two very good young English players out of that squad. I think they're both really, really you know, decent players. I think they've got bright futures. I think Bayern Munich are still lurking in the background for Hudson Odoi, aren't they? You know, they've still got a, a, a keen eye yeah. on him. Well, apparently. But I think it'd be I think it'd be a mistake, another mistake from Chelsea to let them two lads go. I think if, if in terms of the Premier League squad and the Champions League squad, if they have to go out on loan, uh, you know, to the likes of West Ham or Villa, I, I think that would probably be a sensible thing for them to develop their game but I think if, if they say for example if we're talking about Ruben, Ruben Loftus-Cheek if they said he's not going to make it and we'll take 15 million quid for him I think that'd be a, that'd be a mistake that um, I think putting him out on loan with an obligation to buy would, would be a mistake and I hope they do prove people wrong at Chelsea and, and, and have long fruitful careers because they've played well they've, they've weighed in with goals they, obviously the, you know, they kept, they're capped by England and you know, Chelsea need more of that. You know, they need more homegrown players because 
for me, it seems like a club that doesn't have a massive amount of soul in it, which I know is going to be controversial uh, for, for people listening. And I think these are the lads that would put roots down and, and be you know, players that are there for a long time. You know, certainly a big part of the careers. So I don't know. But I think Chelsea's transfer strategy is, is a bit... Um, you know, hit and hope. Really, it's a bit shotgun, and I think that we've seen we've seen it at Manchester City, though, haven't we? You need to be at such a high level as a young player coming through. You need to be at such a high level to be able to make it in the first team. And out of all the promising youngsters at Manchester City, it's Phil Foden that has broken through, and that that's kind of it. And there's been others that have come and gone. So I think it's just the make weight, isn't it? If you if you want to compete, if you want to be competing for the Premier League and you want to be competing for the Champions League which Chelsea no doubt do there isn't room to have those young players who are risks essentially I don't know I think because if you look at I mean I've got to look at it from from my club's point of view but you know but we put Trent Alexander-Arnold in it right back and you know we've we've I mean even though um, Andy Robertson didn't come through you know our academy we've signed him as a young man from Hull uh, I think he was like 23 when we signed him, and you know we we've took a chance on a young British player. And but then you know, look at all the young players who haven't made, like people like Ryan Brewster, who is tipped to be one of the most promising English strikers, isn't going to get a look in. So it's a similar it's a well, similar I situation think, at Liverpool. It is, I think, but and that's why I think we're we're reticent to to get him out on a permanent deal. Uh, I think Jurgen is a fan of him, but I think when when you're a a team that is at the, the the top end of the table. I think it's it is difficult to do it, but you know Liverpool don't really want to lose him. But mm. I think that you know, and another another example I could give is Curtis Jones is getting games at Liverpool now and looks at a phenomenal prospect. Um, so I think if they're good enough, I think you know it, it, they will get chances. But it does depend on the manager. Um, I think Frank is just trying to get the best players he can in each position without thinking too much of, of these young lads and I think that he's it's a short term uh, objective but I think he'll be under pressure to get Chelsea up the table and get him competing for trophies again um, you know and I think that like I said before that spending the level of cash they have to put them players in because it looks like you know uh, for Keo Tamori he's going to be going out on loan mm-hmm. as well which is another young English player I just think that uh, the, the patience isn't there and the ability to hang fire and let these players get the experience and bed in and it's a shame because, you know, England need strong players that are playing week in, week out in the Premier League instead of people that are sat on the bench or that are out on loan somewhere, sat on a bench elsewhere. And it is an interesting conundrum, Jim, and obviously, you know, people will have different opinions on it. Congratulations to Steve. I think we don't give him enough credit for managing to move most questions back to Liverpool, and he did it almost effortlessly in that <laughs> last one. So, well done, Steve. Nicely well, you done. Can only talk about, you, know, you can only talk about your own experiences, can't you? You know, I don't know a lot of the Premier League teams inside out, so I can't speak with authority about West Ham's academy, for example, or, or Crystal Palace's academy. So you've just got to you know, go for where you know. But yeah, any excuse, Jim, you know that. Well, let's move it across the city of Liverpool to Everton, who now Jordan Pickford, we have not pulled the punches when talking about Jordan Pickford in recent weeks. Unfortunately, when he's clearing his box, he does pull the punches. And he made another high-profile mistake midweek in Everton's Carabao Cup win over... Was it Shrewsbury? Fleetwood Town. Fleetwood. Fleetwood Town, that's right, uh, against Fleetwood Town. And that would appear to be what has caused Carlo Ancelotti to lose patience and look elsewhere for goalkeepers. The name being linked at the moment with a move to Everton. Interesting one, this. Manchester United's Argentinian goalkeeper, often called the 
best backup goalkeeper in the Premier League, although he's probably third choice realistically at Manchester United now. Sergio Romero. Is he the kind of player that you think could improve Everton, Niall? Um, well, anyone can improve Everton when Jordan Pickford's between the sticks. Uh, <laughs> I think if you put Mr Blobby between the sticks, and he'd probably do a better job at this moment in time. Fair, fair, I think be fair, Blobby's a big lad. I mean, he probably feels the goal. He feels the goal, Jim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially if they're five centimetres smaller. Like a Kevin Pressman kind of figure, isn't he? <laughs> Brings a whole different meaning to he gives you the eyes when you're taking a penalty. He's <laughs> 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 all over the place, Mr Blobby. No, no, no. I, I, to be fair to Jordan Pickford, and I've said it every time we've spoken about him on the podcast. The only reason he's still England's number one is because of how he can kick the ball. It's as simple as that. He can pass the ball. He can ping passes. He can distribute the ball better than any other goalkeeper in the Premier League with his feet, in my opinion, bar probably Edison. And, you know, th- that is the only saving grace for him at this moment in time because his mistakes are becoming all too common. And although it was a victory over Fleetwood in the Carabao Cup midweek by a margin of five goals to two... One of those two goals can be directly attributed to, in fact, two of them, both of them can be directly attributed to Jordan Pickford. The second was a save, which was routine. It was straight at him. Instead of catching it, he tried to beat it away in what is becoming an all too modern way of goalkeeping, which I don't like at all. Just catch the bloody thing. Um, Sounding like an old man here, but I mean, I've had enough of it. Stop beating the ball away. Because it leads to more risk. It's more risk. Mm. It's a more risky thing to do. Anyway, he ends up beating the ball into his own net. And then obviously the first one was where he tried to play the ball out from the back. He was closed down by three or four Fleetwood players, got put under pressure, and they ended up sliding the ball into an empty net. So the two goals that Everton conceded, directly responsible for those, were the goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford, in my opinion. So, you know, I think this is an issue which Everton need to address now. It's It's become too common where you can't just say he's having a blip or he's having a bad patch. It's a new season and he's still making the same mistakes. Now, the thank, the, the saving grace for Everton is that it was against Fleetwood. Because if it had happened this weekend against Crystal Palace, I mean, I don't care who you're playing in the Premier League, except maybe West Ham. If you give a two-goal advantage to anyone, you're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. So, you know, Carlo Ancelotti will have seen that and thought, OK, well, this is something that maybe I do need to, to sort out. Um... I think Romero, though, is an interesting one. I think there's a lot of narrative about him being the best backup goalkeeper and a lot of narrative about him being Argentina's number one. Well, that's not true. He's not been Argentina's number one for close to 18 months because he doesn't play for Manchester United apart from the Cups. So why would Argentina pick him as their number one goalkeeper? It feels they like it would be a good stopgap for Everton, a player like Romero. Romero's going to want first-team football. Like I say, he's behind... Um, De Gea and behind Henderson now. So he's going to want first-team football. Potentially, United would let him go on a free, kind of a golden handshake for service and all that kind of thing. And Mm. he's not going to cost Everton a load of money because Everton, surely, as Steve has pointed out many times before, haven't got that much money left without breaking FFP rules. I mean, is he better than Pickford? Yeah. I mean, in one word, is he better than Pickford? (laughs) I mean, at the moment... I would say say he's probably as good as or even Pickford slightly better, but he makes fewer mistakes. Mm. He makes fewer mistakes. That's the only reason that he would be an improvement. I don't think Jordan Pickford is a bad goalkeeper. Like David James, being a Pompey fan, was one of our best ever players in the Premier League. Now, he came to us in 2006 at Portsmouth and we thought, oh God, you know, we've got an aging David James who was known as Calamity James, made his mistakes at Liverpool, West Ham, Aston Villa, Man City, and now we've got him coming to us. What's going to happen to him? We're going to concede loads of goals. He came in and he was one of our best players in the Premier League era, David James, because 
sometimes it just works at a certain club. And I think that that's the problem we've got with Jordan Pickford. David James was always a very, very good goalkeeper, but he just made too many mistakes. And mm. that reputation preceded him. And unfortunately for Pickford, it's starting to become the case for him as well. So I don't think Romero is a better goalkeeper than Pickford. I just think he's more reliable. And if that's what Everton need, then that's what they're going to have to do is find someone more reliable. Let's finish off with a potential new arrival at Manchester United rather than a departure. And it's Deot Upamecano, who has got one of the best names in football, who RB Leipzig are apparently willing to potentially let leave for the right bid. Now, Manchester United have been linked with him for a while. He kind of fits the profile of young hungry players they've been looking for he's 21 he's a French international it feels like he could be a good addition to the project at Manchester United Steve he feels like he's an upgrade on what they've currently got but it's Manchester United are they going to get forced to pay the Manchester United tax again if they do bring him in yeah he's going to come in on big money whoever signs him is going to have to pay for him because you know he, he has um you know he's made his international debut he's, he's, he is playing for France and um, he is a lad with a with a big future. I just think that I just don't think that Man United would be the right move for him. I think financially it probably would be, but I just think going into that Man United team, I think it, it, even though from the games that I've seen uh, Leipzig play, he needs a a real leader next to him, uh, you know, to complement him. Which there's nothing wrong mm. with that. Uh, you know, it's, I was going to talk about Liverpool then, but I won't do. Um, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I was just thinking, you, you know, John Terry, uh, you know, in the past he had at Chelsea. Um, you know, he was always the voice. He was the authority. He was the leader, wasn't he? And I think that Upper Meccano does need that type of player next to him. And I think that United don't have that. I think if we were going to be completely honest about it, I don't think Harry Maguire's been a roaring success at Man United. And I know he's got the, the captain's armband and... You know, he he probably is that voice in the dressing room, but on the pitch, it's certainly not transferred or transpired that way. That he is this kind of colossal leader that, you know, is is very very difficult to get past. Doesn't make many mistakes, and um, you know, is part of a miserly defence. And I just I can see, you know, what I could probably see, you know, maybe Man City going in late for him. Um, I think you know they they're still after another centre back, aren't they? And the, you know all the big names are getting linked with Man City. I think you know Koundé is the latest one that's been uh, linked mm-hmm. with them. I just think that you know him, uh, you know next to you know Emmett Laporte, you know might might be the way forward because I, I really rate Laporte highly. Um, but Man United, I think, wouldn't be a great move for him. If I'm honest. I was going to talk about West Ham's transfer dealings, but there obviously are no transfer dealings for West Ham. Currently the only Premier League team not to make a signing in this window, which is absolutely bonkers. There is interest in Wesley Fofana, uh, centre-back from Centre... Wesley Fofana, who's a centre-back from Saint-Étienne, 19 years old, French. So uh, completely in line with... You go from uh, James Trafkowski at Burnley, who's... 28 years old and got Premier League experience that's the type of player you want then you go and get a 19 year old from St Etienne I mean with no Premier League experience it's bonkers anyway but we're not going to talk about that because it would just make me angry we will move on instead because we're going to talk about Leicester City next who are also interested in the same player by the way but we're going to talk about Leicester City with Andy May BT sports journalist and Leicester City fan and we'll do that next as our floodlight focus switches to the East Midlands on Football Social Daily Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. 
Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Find us on Facebook. Search Sport Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Today, our team that is under the floodlight focus is Leicester City. We're going to be having a look inside the club, getting the latest news, and that news is going to come from BT Sports journalist, broadcaster, and legal expert now, Andy May. How are you doing, Andy? Oh, I don't know about the latter point. Can you say that? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? You tell me. You tell far. You've got you've got a qualification that makes you an expert. I think, doesn't it? Yeah, I have actually. I have. Yeah, I have got a couple of degrees in law, but I don't know if I'm an expert. I will take that though. That's very kind oh, of you. Good do. work. Uh, first thing I need to know about Leicester City. Obviously, you're a Leicester City fan as well, which is why we're chatting to you. Is that? I mean, you and I used to cover Leicester City back in the day. We used to go to Filbert Street as it was to watch the games together. Are the pies still as good? Because I remember oh. Leicester City pies being a level above most other clubs in the Premier League. Yes, they are better than Burnley. We've obviously beaten Burnley this season on the pitch and we yeah. beat them in the pie department as well. We <laughs> beat Wigan. We beat Wigan because those are those are two contenders. But no, the chicken bolty number that, that Leicester oh, City yeah. do. And you can actually combine it with a pint for quite a good price in today's terms at football is top dollar. It's it's really top of the league. Well, they like a bit of free food and drink at Leicester City as well, don't they? The owners are very generous from that side of things. The owners have been terrific. They always celebrate the birthday of, of Vichai, who's, who's obviously no longer sadly with us, but they're, they're, they're very generous generally. Christmas time, times when we've been promoted, obviously when we won the league. So I would say probably two or three times per mm. season at home, you will definitely get a free pint and some food. And, and you don't have to drink liquor. You can have water, you can have a soft drink as well. So they're, they're very they're very good. They've done a, a good job there on that front with looking after the fans. You mentioned the owner who sadly passed away in that helicopter crash, I guess was that two years ago now? It feels like a while ago now. Um, it doesn't seem to have disrupted the club too much in terms of the project that's going on there or the ethos that the club hold. Is that the case? Is it kind of still on track at the moment despite that? Yeah, definitely. I think um, obviously Vichai was a huge part of, of what has happened at Leicester City since the King Power group took over almost a decade ago. But his son was very hands-on. I would say probably more hands-on in terms of running Leicester City than, than Vichai, which is top, uh, when Vichai w- was was alive. And, and, and that was mainly because Vichai had so many other successful businesses to look after mm-hmm. over in Thailand. And, and you've also got as well uh, Susan, the um, chief executive, Susan Whelan, who's, who's a very talented business lady, and, and she's been a huge part of the success and a director of football and, and a good setup at the club, really, that has allowed for a, a horrible tragedy and a tragedy that, that could have really had huge long-term implications negatively besides the, the sadness of the death. But it, it's, been, it's been so that that's not actually ended up being the case, which is obviously what Top and, and the family of Vichai would have wanted and, and do want for the club mm. to continue to be a success and to, to have that legacy from him. Well, it's looking like a successful season so far. We're only two weeks in or two games weeks in, so it's a bit early to call it at the moment, but you're top of the Premier League. How long can that last? Is there any chance that it could happen again? And, well, for want of a better phrase, Leicester City could do a Leicester City and win the Premier League. (laughs) Gary Lineker joked, didn't he, at the weekend on Match of the Day, that he better get his underpants cleaned ready for for the end of the season. (laughs) We don't Um, need that again. (laughs) I I can't see it happening. Um, I will never, ever say we will win the league again because I think that would be craziness. Um, Leicester are a team that I think on merit 
when you look at the squad and 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 you you look at our stature um, in terms of recent seasons, deserve to be in the top eight. But mm. genuinely, as a fan, I I don't expect anything more than that. And in fact, if we finish mid table this season, because it's a year of consolidation for a lot of clubs with the issues off the field with with the pandemic. Mm. I wouldn't be too disheartened. One of the things I think that's impressed me about Leicester City over the last couple of seasons is the ability to kind of go into the transfer market and replace the players that they lost, like players like Harry Maguire went off to Manchester United. They bought in a replacement who's done very well. That hasn't happened this year so much, mainly because you haven't lost too many players, but you've still seen investment in the playing squad. And Leicester City kind of get into that point that a lot of clubs who go through that kind of bottom to mid-table transition then mid-table to European they they want to stop being selling clubs and clubs that hang on to their best players and improve, improve their squad window on window and Leicester City kind of getting to that space now where they're actually scouting players to recruit to improve the team rather than just to replace what they're losing. I'm not quite sure there Jim I, I personally feel and the club would never admit it and Brendan Rodgers would be frustrated about the idea but I think that Leicester are quietly satisfied with being a club that can develop a Ben Chilwell, can bring in mm. a player like Mares or Conte, use them for a couple of years and, and get success and, and get some good mileage out of them, but then sell them on at a profit, make some money out of it, and then reinvest that money in the academy, in replacements for, for quite a lot less money, and hope that that process works again and and even Chelsea who are a bigger team than Leicester and have a better squad even they do that to a certain extent they have a great academy and they've made a lot of money from selling players on uh, that they haven't often used a lot of the time you look at De Bruyne and Salah for example they they never really made it at Chelsea they barely played in the first team so I think that is Leicester's model even though they would probably officially want to disagree with that. Jamie Vardy is a player that I often wonder when he'll need to be replaced. Every season I write him off and say, that's it. He's kind of had his moment. He's going to disappear. But he seems to get younger every season, pretty much. When is the stage going to come that the club need to go out and replace him? And then how do you approach that? Because he seems so key to the way Leicester City play. Do you have to go out and get this like-for-like striker that can play in the same way and offer the same thing? I think you can never replace him. Never. He is... The, the, the best player that I've seen in my lifetime as a Leicester City um, player. Uh, yeah. I mean, Conte was, for me, my favourite player of that season in 15-16. But obviously, Conte went then to Chelsea and won the league again with them. I think with, with Vardy, he has been, obviously, such a huge part of this whole period, not just the success of winning the Premier League, but the following season when we were the only English team to get to the Champions League quarterfinals. Since then, he's won a golden boot. He was 33, wasn't he, at the end of last season when he won yeah. that golden boot. So he's, he's without question for me, the best player I've seen in my life as a, as a Leicester player. I don't necessarily think we should be looking to replace him like for like, even though that is impossible, as I just said, when his time is up, so to speak. I think things will move on by then and, and in two years' time when perhaps the conversation will start going into what would be another season, so not this season, but maybe three seasons for now, a fourth season on, when we would probably 
have to realistically say as a 37-year-old, he's not going to be the, the player he is now. Mm. I think a lot would have moved on. We'll probably have a new manager. We'll probably have yeah, yeah. at least six or seven new players that are in the starting 11 regularly. So I think he definitely has two more seasons, including this season, at the absolute top in terms of what he can do as a Leicester City striker. Then after that, the conversations will start. But as I say, a lot else would have changed. What do you make of Brendan Rodgers as a manager? Because it was kind of, the appointment was derided a little bit. And I think Brendan Rodgers always suffered from being a bit of a figure of fun, probably largely due to his Brendan Rodgersisms and the kind of phrases he comes out with. But he seems to have done a decent job at Leicester City, taking them on to that next level. I disagree with this uh, perception of, of Rodgers. I do get what you say about some of the comments he makes, but mm. that's just him as an individual. I, I don't think that defines him as a as a person, actually, and certainly not as a football manager. You, you have to look at his record. I think other than Reading, really, he's, he's improved every team he's been to. Swansea, Liverpool, uh, Watford, Celtic, obviously won trophy after trophy there. And there's no doubt he has improved Leicester City. It's a bit of a frustrating time if you look at the last half of last season, because really I still feel Leicester should have been in the Champions League for this season. But overall, the, the wider picture, he's improved Leicester based on what we saw after that season from 2015-16. And I, I feel a, a little sorry for Brendan because I think he would have really wanted to have spent some more money in this transfer window, maybe added a striker, certainly another centre-half, possibly a winger as well if, if he and mm. us fans were being greedy. So I think he could be doing even better this season as a whole. Obviously, it's early days and I know we're top of the league, but it's only two games <laughs> in. I don't think, as I say, that will last. But I think he, he, he could have potentially been equipped by the club who are being prudent, understandably, yeah. to do even better this season. But if that doesn't happen, then I would still say he's improved Leicester City as he has with all of the other clubs, including Liverpool, that he's he's been at. OK, he didn't win the league in the end at Liverpool, but he was a key part of starting and continuing that journey from being not even top four. Liverpool were not even top four in very recent times. Even under Benitez, they, they, they weren't as close as Rodgers to being Premier League champions. But he's he's been a key part of that process that ultimately then Klopp has come in and, and finished off. I think Rodgers is the kind of character who will believe that he can win the league with Leicester City again. His ambitions will be winning the Premier League or certainly getting into the top four. But from what you're saying, it doesn't sound like you think the club share those ambitions. No, I don't think so. I think top four, definitely. But if, if Leicester thought and really, really desired the league title again, they would have added those three players and, and possibly a mm. couple of extra bodies as well and, and maybe stopped Chilwell from leaving. Because actually, I was quite disappointed with the figure that we got for him. I think around £45 million. Leicester, in previous seasons, in, in the close season, have really held out for a lot more money with players like Mares. So... I think Leicester could have held firm a bit there and, and kept him for another year or perhaps got more money. But I think I think that the scenario is what it is. COVID is around at the moment and obviously the King Power business model is duty-free. They've been hit as hard as airlines at present. So I don't blame them for being sensible if I'm being pragmatic and, and I think they deserve to, to have that option and to use it as well, given what they've done for the club. 
Right, you've got Manchester City on Sunday, so an opportunity to remain top of the league. Pep already complaining that he's only got 13 fit players to even consider for selection. Do you fancy your chances? I think we've got a chance, yes. But Manchester City, like Liverpool, uh, are, for me, way ahead of the rest of the teams in the Premier League. So it will be a difficult task for Leicester, I think. And even though, obviously, on the face of it, it's looking good now because we're top of the league, we have... Obviously, ships goals that we shouldn't have. Uh, you look at the own goal this week for Fuchs against Arsenal in the Cup, the two against Burnley. We really did need another centre-half, to be perfectly frank. And and I think that is where we will possibly lose the match, really, the, the defensive area. I think Leicester are fine getting a goal or two with Vardy, but I think in defence, that's where Manchester City will get the better of us. Andy, it's been awesome to talk to you. Good luck for the season. Enjoy the pies and uh, hopefully we'll speak to you again. <laughs> Cheers, Jim. That is it for today's show. Don't forget to hit subscribe because our preview of the weekend's action is going to be out very soon in the next few hours. So click subscribe and you'll get that as soon as it's ready as well. Plus, you can find more football gossip, football news, match reports and updates via our website sports-social.co.uk also details there on how you can find us on your Google Home speaker or your Amazon Alexa speaker that is it for today that is it for the week thank you very much Niall cheers guys thank you very much Steve thanks lads and we'll see you next time Football Social Daily from Sports Social find us on Instagram at Sports Social Official okay round two name something that's not boring Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.